0: Hello and welcome to Castable. This is the podcast which welcomes amazing guests and asks them to pitch their vision of their perfect music festival. I'm Matt Hoss and today I'm setting up camp to find out what is so great about this festival and to inquire about some of the facts. Today's wonderful guest is star of Mock the Week, host of podcast Two Vegan Idiots and Babysitting Trevor, and is an Edinburgh Comedy Award nominee two times, it's Carl Donnelly. Hello. Hey, mate, how are you doing? I'm good. I totally, uh, to be honest, I, we, we've chatted a lot, but I thought I'd do a quite professional introduction there. There was a
1: professional. I, I, I always find the funny um, star of Mock the Week, which means, yeah. what that means to, to the layman is, has appeared yeah. once or twice <laughs> on Mock the Week.
0: <laughs> yeah, and you've seen people on comedy posters like Star of uh, um, Ricky Gervais' Extras. like yeah, yeah, yeah. He played a cameo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so
1: it's, I, I totally get it. It's, it's, I, it's a funny one, because like, it's totally understandable, isn't it? It's, yeah, you know, on posters and that, it has to be... You couldn't say... You couldn't put on a poster, has appeared... <laughs> a few years ago on <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it would really take the edge off wouldn't it it wouldn't do its PR purpose
0: yeah <laughs> imagine like someone in the street and, and, and going, oh look this person played uh, a 30 second role in a play yeah let's go for it yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, oh, yeah So I love that I, I do like the loose use of the phrase star of
0: <laughs> <laughs> so welcome to Castellan thank you for coming on but if, if someone to ask you what kind of
1: music are you into
0: what how do you usually respond
1: um, I don't, I mean, it's, it's hard. I've really, like in the last couple of weeks during lockdown, I've done a couple of uh, music podcasts where, I've, you know, I've had to talk through different sort of things about music. And, you know, I, I think I'm one of those people that says oh, I'm into all sorts of music. Yeah, but a lot of people say that. And then actually, when you really narrow it down, they're actually only into a few types of music. Is Mine genuinely is... You know, I had to do a podcast where I had to pick my, like, just make a 10-track playlist. And, you know, it had everything from, you know, something like Andrew WK, which is, you know, essentially yeah. your archetypal hard rock, uh, down to Mozart's Requiem. Do you know what I mean? It is very much, and, and you know, there'll be bits of hip-hop. There'll be bits yeah. of uh, just, yeah, I, I mean, ambient, sort of electro, I've, I properly have a very broad taste in music there's genre doesn't matter to me if I like a track I like a track
0: i think that's a really good place to be though because i do have my heels in rock and metal because that's why i grew up with um but also i'll never deny a good track because like uh, at the moment i've been getting to like kind of 80s hip-hop like uh, yeah, yeah. I-, I listened to the beastie boys book and they have loads of really good recommendations of like like funky 80s hip-hop and uh, yeah. yeah it just blew my mind like uh, like uh, and but as a teenager you kind of shut yourself off going oh no other music's terrible so that tribalism but uh, yeah, now yeah. it's like wow it's so
1: cool but a lot of people i think take that into their adulthood and don't really yeah. ever question it like you know I've got mates you know who even when we were in our you know 30s mm-hmm. you know would only particularly like one type of music and yeah I don't get me wrong I'm, I'm very yeah you know, I'm not I'm not a fan of over produced like pop music do you know what I mean like mm-hmm. sort of most of the stuff currently that is popular in terms of you know, the the big stars, that everything, Mm -hmm. well, I do have that slight reaction of it all sounds slightly derivative and, you know, it's almost like it feels like it's been churned out rather than created by an artist. But at the same time, you know, I know some people that have that response to, types of music that's absolutely not true you know the sort of like your parents style like mm-hmm. would hear hip hop and it's like it's just it's just a person talking you know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> it's like, and then he's like that's actually a really impressive yeah. piece of writing and amazing production over the top you know that i have that response but to music i do genuinely i know it's sort of ironic to then say but i actually do believe some music is just shit but yeah yeah i'm yeah, I've, i think i've always had a broad taste and I've been quite lucky in everything you know mm-hmm. In comedy, I've got no f- type of comedy I like. In film, I don't, there's no particular genre of film. I, you mm-hmm. know, I, I'll, I'll, I'll pick a, you know, I could pick from loads of different mediums and genres. I've got quite a broad taste.
0: That's great. I remember in Edinburgh that you told me that you, uh, you listen to a lot of ambient music as you go around. It kind of soothes you and relaxes yeah. you, which I thought, I, I thought about. Like, for The last like six months have been really, like, they stayed in my brain. Like, oh, that's a cool thing. And so, before a gig, uh, what kind of music do you listen to at certain times? Because you, you have that ambient music,
1: but do you have any other like, kind of uh, songs or go to songs that can't kind of pick you up or bring you down? Um, it depends on the gigs and things, really. like Most of the time, if I'm gigging, say, just in London at a comedy club, on the tube there and walking there, I'll always have something like meditative and ambient, mm-hmm. and it will be, you know, some Brian Eno or something. So that's sort of, I don't know, it's just getting, and also that's involved in just walking through central London, which is really busy. Like, I like that sort of stuff just to put me into my own little headspace and zone mm-hmm. as I go to a gig. So like I can shout to a gig pretty, I suppose, neutral. Do you know what I mean? If you have a stressful journey to a gig, it's are you're, you're never in a good
0: place yeah, before you yeah. go
1: on it's like you know when you're running late to a gig it's horrible oh
0: my god yeah it's like the worst because you bring all that frantic energy on stage as well and it just doesn't feel good as well yeah it? yeah, oh, yeah
1: but then like in edinburgh for example like last few years my edinburgh shows I've, I've always been in the room when the audience is coming in like i don't i'm not backstage waiting to come on i'm in the room and i'm chatting to people and you know i like that sort of just mm-hmm. at the moment they walk in and they think they've got to take their seats and they'll wait and then it'll be like welcome to the stage but actually they walk in and suddenly you're just like oh you're all right how you doing cheers we come in it sort of catches them off guard but then i always have music on that i will i would like to listen to before a show mm-hmm. so i sort of you know i'm listening to music that i want them to hear but i also want to i'm using it as well to get into the mood like so last year i for some reason i just had all Roxy music when people yeah. were coming in, just because I love me, I love Roxy music. Yeah, but you know that out the, the Avalon album, I think has just got tracks that just really, just I don't know, they're very atmospheric mm-hmm. and upbeat.
0: That's really cool. I put a lot of, I think I mentioned it before, but I spend a lot of time on cultivating the, the pre-show playlist to any particularly Edinburgh shows, so they mean a lot more. There's a lot more tracks which are a bit more specific to the show as well. And also just before any club shows as well, because I, I run a couple of shows, and, they, and the music's so important to kind of get the vibe right in the room as well. Kind of yeah, get people definitely. where they want to be as well.
1: Oh, yeah, it's weird. I find it fascinating when comedians don't really think about their pre-show playlists. Especially mm-hmm. like an Edinburgh show, you know, you've only got an hour with that group of people to have some form of lasting impact and mm-hmm. you know stay in their memory. And they're only going to be in the room five or ten minutes before, and then they're going to walk out. Mm-hmm. So your choice of music is part of that experience. And I think I find it really weird when comedians just go, oh, i just put some any, any old shit on." It's like, <laughs> You're mad, mate. They're going to associate that music with you. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. To move from like live gigs, uh, how many festivals have you been to, and do you like going to festivals? I've been to
1: a lot, you know, not just through, you know, I've done, I did them as a punter, but I also then, because I got into comedy relatively young, I was 23 when I started, Mm -hmm. you know, I was already, I've been to festivals as a punter, but quite quickly I then started doing festivals and I was lucky to start doing some of the festivals I loved as well, like Glastonbury and stuff. Oh, that must have been a
0: great experience to perform at
1: Glastonbury, right? Performing at Glastonbury and this is i mean the gigs is by the by genuinely having anyone who's been to glastonbury uh, as a member of the general public will know the worst thing about glastonbury is the camping like the campsites mm-hmm. are so far away you know and it's just it's all part of the experience you know it, yeah. like the, glastonbury is a four day or some people even go for the extra day the, the wednesday um like but normally it's a four-day experience. Do you know what I mean? It's incredible. And some, you know, I've I've been there at some of the worst weather Glastonbury's of all time. And it is I, I was there for one of them. I wasn't there the one where it fully flooded and people were literally floating downhill. <laughs> there was another year, I think I can't remember it was early two thousands, and it was biblical, man. It was nonstop yeah. rain on the weekend, and it was just you know, you could. There was you gave up caring within about three hours of the first downpour. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the campsites then become such a hassle. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a forty-five minute walk to it from Annie, from even the nearest part of the festival. So it just, you know, that is always the hassle. But when you start performing at Glastonbury, that genuinely, the most exciting thing is not the fact that you can say I've performed at Glastonbury. It's that you get to camp on site. Yeah, oh, and it is that it's such a game changer. (laughs) Yeah, right. You camp just right behind the cabaret tent, uh, which that it's a big tent cabaret. Yeah, you've got the artists camping out back for people that are doing cabaret, circus stuff, and comedy and all that. And it is such, it's so brilliant to be on site.
0: Yeah, that that must be so cool as well. It's like a VIP little lounge as well, like at like, and you're also surrounded by mates as well, presumably. Like,
1: yeah, but no, I mean, there's loads of people. I mean, when I yeah. say that like, artist camping, makes people think it's going to be like sixty cool hits yeah <laughs> artist camping at Glastonbury is next level because obviously it's the, such a big festival. You know, I'm talking. There's probably a thousand people in artist camping, so it's still a big campsite, but. It's much more relaxed. There's a bit more, there's more room between the tents. There's some nice, no, not nice showers, but there's showers that are usable. Um, The toilets are better. And you can just, yeah, you can walk from your tent and be, you know, you go up through the back of the cabaret tent and then you're just right in the mix. And it's like that. It's such a, to to not be knackered by the time you get to any um, stage is a big plastic at Glastonbury
0: it's nice like oh yeah did you enjoy the headliners no but i did enjoy the walk five
1: minutes (laughs) but that's what it's like it's great and being able to nip back to your tent yeah oh yeah because in Glastonbury, uh, that's just not you can't do it if you're going out to see stuff in the evening if what if you're going from normal public camping you're just out the moment you think i'm heading back to the tent by the mm. time you then get back to meet your mates it's an hour and a half
0: Absolutely, yeah, you can be the nail and the coffin of that night as well. Like, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. I've, I've you
1: get, you're up, like, I'm just gonna go back and get some more booze, and you get back to the tent, and you're so knackered and wet, yeah, like, I'm not going C- back out because it hits you so hard as well. Because you, you're drinking all day, it's well. like,
0: oh god, it's just like even as a young man when I went, I was like, oh god, just I remember falling asleep to a good Charlotte, and I regretted that every single day of my life. Yeah. Uh, but uh, we're gonna set up camp and find out some of the fundamentals about your festival. A late last night and I've got no place to go. I took a wrong turn and now I've be uh pistoling. So let's find out some of the basic admin about your festival.
1: Do you have a title for your for your festival, Carl? Um, I mean I probably, just from some sense of the e- egotistical comedian, would want it to be called, like, Carl Fest.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Carl Fest is good. I like that.
1: Yeah, so I think that would just be... Um, yeah, I think it would be nice. Just the idea of having a festival just named after you would as some legacy would be nice you
0: know on like the main stages they always have like um the main stages at the bottom and on the side they have like two video screens uh yeah, i can imagine yeah, yeah. and underneath they have lots of decoration i imagine that it just has your face on either side
1: there's gonna be a lot of branding around the festival <laughs> my yeah. face yeah
0: i i you know i think that'd be quite good as well like um and maybe even at the end of the festival, like, I don't want to presume things, but you could have like a, like a Carl Donnelly Wicked Man being burned at the end. I mean, like that. I'd
1: be well up for that. To yeah. be, I mean. <laughs> and everyone throws their belongings and possessions into it. And yeah. Starts anew. Yeah. That's, you know, it's like a, like
0: Burning Man slash Carl Donnelly. That sounds yeah, great.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, so, uh, um, Carl Fest is, uh, is a good name. Uh, so, uh, do, you, do you have any, um, do you know where geographically your festival is going to be? Or is it just kind of... Um, I'm
1: festival. i mean again for this is purely based on my own needs and wants is, <laughs> yeah. um having it as near to london as possible yeah yeah but also not too near a city center like you know i've never i always find reading festival quite a strange experience you know i've, mm-hmm. I've performed at Reading a few times and you know it's something odd about being able to walk to a festival just from like reading Do you know yeah of I mean? like that, yeah, that yeah. you get off the train and it's you're in reading and it's like mm. this is this is mad like this doesn't feel right so i feel like it should be there should be a little bit of hassle getting to a festival yes. it's part of the yeah part you know you, you should have to go down some country lanes at some absolutely time. yeah but i also think you know i'd like it yeah i'd love it just to be in a sort of surrey sussex borders mm. somewhere yeah. so you're, you're talking if you're in South London, it's a 30-minute drive. That'd yeah. So that's and purely just based on my location. So other people will obviously disagree.
0: <laughs> well, a lot of people have had it in their back garden. So I think that's, if anything, quite accommodating. Yeah. So uh, how long have you been spending on the lineup or working on your festival in Colfest?
1: Um, Not, I mean, to be honest, I've kept the... Uh, it's going to be, you know, I think it would be a relatively large festival, but I haven't curated the whole thing yet. What I've done is stick to probably maybe five of the big draws of the weekend band-wise mm-hmm. um, and uh, if there is probably going to be a comedy and cabaret tent but I'm gonna I've picked one comedian to be the main sort of you know when I say main draw a lot of people probably wouldn't even know who he is especially ne- like younger people mm-hmm. but he's certainly like in terms of a if in terms of a festival comedian he would be my first name on the team oh, sheets a lovely stuff
0: and um obviously um uh, we are both vegan so would uh have you thought about the food at the festival do you have any kind of things you would like to see or kind of eat
1: um i mean over the last five or six years vegan food at festivals has got ridiculous like right the, yeah i mean every yeah like, i think even when was i i think it was reading last year did i do reading last year or leeds last year I think I did Leeds last year, and I did it during the Edinburgh Fringe. So I went down. Yeah, remember. Yeah, did the yeah. set and then came back to Edinburgh for my show. And um, yeah, I have got some amazing food there. Like, and that's you know Leeds Festival is pretty. It's a pretty grotty festival. It's good fun. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's yeah. I mean, so I think I would just yeah go for the all the outlets that you see at places like Veg Fest and those yeah, big food yeah. festivals now that are real like. You know, they've got all the best fast food vegan outlets. And I just load it up with that. And what I do is I probably feel like I'd have to cater for non-vegans. But their food would be a much longer walk. Yeah, it's like, we're going to cater for
0: everyone, but if you are not going to eat vegan, you do have to walk two miles. Yeah, you have to walk
1: just outside the gates of the festival. <laughs>
0: yeah. So technically, inside the festival, it's all vegan, but yeah. on the, just on the outside.
1: It's just one burger van who does it yeah. very
0: slowly as well.
1: One burger van who ends up having the best financial weekend of his life. <laughs>
0: But what I quite like about that, people on principle would go out of their way to do that as well. Of uh, course they
1: would. Yeah. They'd be livid if you said that. It's an all-vegan festival, but there is a burger van just outside. <laughs> so many so many meat eaters would take that as such an affront. Yeah. So, even though the amount of festivals I've done over the years where the one vegan stall is such a long walk away. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. um, you know, obviously, I understand they would say it's the, it's the uh, benefits of being in the majority talking about like vegan food recently like
0: I haven't been to a festival for a a really long time I went to download in 2018 but that was the last uh festival I've been to but I remember I went to Glastonbury 2014 when Metallica was playing and uh, I I just turned vegetarian at that time and uh and the vegan food wasn't quite good there because it was like one vegan food outlet and I went there quite regularly and I realized it wasn't the best thing because I got like a like I had like a hummus sandwich, but the hummus was hot and it was outside of the, like it wasn't refrigerated and it just a
1: sandwich, man. That is yeah. such like nineties yeah. vegan food. Isn't it? Yeah.
0: It was, it was grim. Um, but
1: because yeah, normally, normally at every festival I've ever been at in terms of vegan and vegetarian food, there's normally at least one yeah like vegan South Indian store where you can get at least a decent little dal or something just to tide you over. That was always the sort of go to for me. And then in the last few years, it's obviously just gone mental. And now you can get vegan fish and chips and all Yeah.
0: Sort. Oh, it's, it's crazy now. In fact, it's one of those things where you're just like, I knew I what the hard days were like, you know, not, not yeah, no, it's yeah.
1: like uh, tasty stuff as well. Um, oh, I remember having to just pack loads of snacks for a weekend. Yeah. I, I, I did Glastonbury's where, you know, I remember I, I did one Glastonbury when I'd just gone vegan. I might have been 20. Thirteen, i think mm. 2013 or 2014 which might have been uh, by the way i did a glastonbury where i didn't see a band i was there for four days and didn't see a single band Oh my I god! i was so like i was i think that would have been 2013 because me and my ex-wife had separated and i just went on this absolute rampage of oh my god drugs and everything i just went off the rails for about six months and um I, yeah, I, I went to a Glastonbury with a mate and we didn't see a single full set of a band. Like when I say we didn't see a band, I mean, we walked, We walk. now and song. again, we would swing by a, a stage and we'd always last one song and then we'd just want to go on and get on to other things. And mm-hmm. we'd just like, yeah. And it was, yeah, it was pretty rogue. And that weekend, I remember we just packed so many vegan snacks because I'd only recently gone vegan. yeah. So I didn't know there was going to be some options, but there wasn't that many at the time. Yeah, talking about
0: booze and drugs, do you have any specific kind of booze you would like to have at the festival? Do you have any uh,
1: specifics in mind? Um, Not massively, but I think, you know, I'd probably try and be wary of the uh, environmental impact. Yes. So I do think there is certain things you can do, like Latitude are quite good at doing the... Mm -hmm. They have a very nice reusable cups that people... You sort of get the first time you buy a beer. And it's such a nice little thing and a a souvenir. I think it encourages people to keep that and keep going with it. And then, oh, if I hold on to this, I'll be able to take it home. So there's things you can do like that to stop the sort of massive uh, wastage of, not even like, you know, even if you went for recyclable things at cans, you know, just the very nature of the number of people involved, the amount of cans you're going to go through that weekend are just horrendous. So I would try and go for a reusable cup. system where you get to take the cup home at the end of the weekend as a souvenir it's lovely lovely and i'd say most yeah beers and and spirits can go in there and soft drinks as well so yeah
0: it's like a multi-purpose cup
1: yes well that sounds pretty great let's go and find out
0: which bands uh, at your festival castable are you ready here we go Uh, so how many day- days of the festival have you got?
1: Um, I think we'll go classic three. Yes. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You know, you don't... I always think... I, all the times I've gone to festivals, you know, like where I've gone on the Thursday, mm-hmm. you know, you, that's the ones where you really... You're really hitting a wall by Sunday. Do you know what I mean? I'm yeah. I'm like, yeah, but sort of... The ones that tend to do that tend to be festivals and Glastonbury's and ones that are longer... You know, they they just feel a bit more like a slog, you know. But yeah, I'm gonna go Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and I don't know. I may, yeah, maybe there's headliners and things, but I just think you know some of the best festival uh, experience I've had have been you know not headliners. It's been okay. afternoon sessions.
0: Oh, lovely. And before the record, I think it's a nice time to bring it up. Is that like you mentioned that your festival line of is bands that you've seen live already at festivals? Is that correct? Yes,
1: I've picked um, every band I've picked has been someone I've seen at a festival, and some of them not even, you know. Let me, think, I'm looking at the list I've got here. I'd say two of them have been bands that I love mm-hmm. and I've seen, and one one of them didn't disappoint. Not only didn't disappoint, but it's still to this day the best uh, festival set I've ever seen. Another one uh, I sadly didn't get to stay too long but are one of my favorite bands and the others are bands that i actually am not that not not keen on but like i just you wouldn't i wouldn't have called myself a fan in terms of i never really listened to their stuff at home and then i saw them at a festival and they blew my mind
0: but that's that's my favorite thing about seeing live music, especially at festivals. Is that kind of magic moment. It's like, oh my god, this is so brilliant. You know what I mean? Like, a, like you kind of know one song, but then it's like, what? Like a, yeah, that yeah. emotional connection. When you just you get it. I remember seeing Weezer, and they're not the most artistic band around, but they. I saw them in twenty thirteen in Leeds, and they. I think it was a bit earlier, twenty eleven or something like that. But it blew my mind. It was like they were just so lively. It was like a really chaotic and really fun set and i loved them so much my brother and i loved them and then the next year i went to see them at sonosphere and it just just wasn't as good because i built them up too much in my mind yeah, all yeah, or yeah. as well but like uh but yeah just i remember them just like just being free and just kind of crazy as well i think it yeah, yeah. has a really big impact on you as well so I think we should start with Friday, and should we? And uh, you mentioned you haven't got headliners, but should we work? If you have, so should we work up from the. Well, start I would of say day?
1: weirdly, I would say this if I was going to have a Friday headliner, I'll pick, This is the band I'll pick because okay. I actually think they were. I think I saw them as a Friday headliner at Glastonbury. I I want to say two thousand and. <laughs> Three 2004, um, but basically, I, I'm not, these are not a band I'm massively a fan of mm-hmm. or would ever listen to at home. And I didn't even mean to go and see them that night. I actually went <laughs> to see the other, basically, what happened was it was the year that uh, Oasis headlined, and you know, I grew up as an Oasis fan. And I I was desperate to see Oasis. And then me and my friend went to watch Oasis on the main stage, on the pyramid. And uh, and within about three songs, we were just bored. We were like, this is not a good festival oh. headline set. Oasis almost came out with a sense of, yeah, of course we should be headlining Glastonbury. Mm-hmm. And actually, what, ended, what they ended up doing, that sort of assumption that they were just headliners Made, meant they didn't really do anything. They didn't really, I don't know. I always think if you're a headline in a festival, you've got to give something and, you know, you've got to really bring it. Absolutely. And, you, yeah. and I just didn't think they were, I just don't, it was, the, I, I think that was the, that was the day my sort of love affair with Oasis died. in that I saw that, I saw their limitations. Mm-hmm. You know, I just loved them when I was young because they were sort of laddie. Like,
0: yeah. And yeah. Lads, yeah. And
1: bastards. I, and I just, yeah, I just watched them. And I was like, oh, this is, Oh, this, is, this is too big for them, I found anyway. I know people would, would have seen them at Nebworth and that would disagree, but for me, my love of them, just that it they, they was limited to, and I just saw them and I was like, right, three songs here. Me and my mate, who were, they were like, this is, we're desperate to see Oasis. We just went, nah, this ain't for us, man. And we just left and we walked over to the other stage as Basement Jacks were on. Oh, okay. And Basement Jacks, I would have just thought of as quite sort of pop yeah. dance music. And they absolutely smashed it. Like, it was such a brilliant headline set. Mm-hmm. Just it blew our minds. Like, the, the visuals, everything, the music was amazing. It was real end of the night, big music. And there's a performance element there.
0: It's like, like okay, well, we're, oh, we're putting on a show. Bam, 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 so bam. So much. It yeah. was just,
1: it was so full on as well. Like, it felt like by the end of it, you know, not to, again, I don't want to dig out Oasis because, you know, obviously they're a seminal band in my life, but you know you can watch a whole oasis thing and every you know not you're not going to finish this set worn out by just how much of a sensory yeah. overload it was isn't it every song pretty much sounds the same and that was part of their appeal and uh yeah i just found with basement jacks me and my mate just at the end of it were drenched and just mm. like, like yeah. overwhelmed and it was such a brilliant end to uh, you know it wasn't the end of the night naturally yeah. carried on but you know it was just this moment of like right I get it now. This is what a headliner of a festival is meant to do.
0: There's always such a brilliant feeling when you've, you finish a gig and like your whole body is just drenched in sweat. And, uh, I remember, um, in 2018, I um I went to go and see Jeff Rosenstock, who's a punk musician, and uh, I, I probably fell in love with his work, and uh, the music meant a lot to me, and uh, on the way down, um I, my then like, partner broke up with me, so I was just, like, really upset. So I went to this gig, and it just, like, it was the most intense gig of my life, because like, it was just, like, obviously, uh, I just, uh, all the emotions just went out, I just was so into that music, I was, like, and everyone in the whole crowd was bouncing up and down, and, like, uh, afterwards I was just covered in sweat, and, like, had, like, off my clothes were just like and that's a proper gig though isn't it like yeah, I mean, you yeah. kind of immerse yourself in the sweat of others, that's a proper
1: gig yeah and that's what it felt like it just i just felt like what would i rather to be headlining a festival on a friday night would i rather go and stand in one big field with a bunch of blokes who've all got the same haircut <laughs> and have got their bloody
0: yeah jackets uh, up yeah. to the
1: top and they're all just you know singing along or would i go and watch a field of Loads of different types of people watching Basement Jacks, all just losing their shit on, like you know, everyone doing different things, but all for the same reason. I just, yeah, it was a real—I don't know—it was a learning moment for me. I think that, you know, sort of, uh, yeah, what what you might listen to when you're sitting around at home is very different to what you can enjoy live. Mm-hmm. So, um, that's a really lovely thing to hear about Basement Jacks. And, uh, but, which other bands
0: would would there be on the Friday? Because, ba- assumingly, Basement Jack is the the top of the night before yeah. you continue
1: what uh, who else think, is playing on that friday uh, let me pick so like i said i've only gone for a short list and every, everything okay. else will be curated later i would say oh i'll tell you what I, I, I would go for this earlier in the afternoon again one of the best ever like moments i've had at a festival and it i, I would put a stipulation on this that they're not allowed to play anything except off their first two albums okay um, yeah and it's kings of leon Okay. Oh, you know that's a good afternoon band as well. I, I saw Kings of Leon the year their debut album came out, mm-hmm. and it was at Glastonbury, and basically they were they got bumped up to do the um, I think it was the other stage or the, it might have even been the Pyramid. I can't remember that. Like, they had such an amazing year that that debut album came out, and a lot of people probably there might be young people that haven't listened to that debut album who only know them from fucking Sex yeah. on Fire and shit like that which I've got, you know, it's not, I'm not, I don't like their newer stuff. Just it's mm-hmm. not my sort of music. I really love their early, just dirty it was, little yeah, rock.
0: all kind of like gritty, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, it was yeah, just yeah. sort of like, it was from that era of, you know, that I suppose like the White Stripes and there was this sort mm. of weird era of like quite grotty sounding ro- like garage rock. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think Kings of Leon were absolutely part of that. And obviously then they sort of became what they are now, which is big sort of stadium rock type. But what we saw, I remember like, I just loved that debut album. It had only probably been out a few months. They were playing, I think, I'm I'm sure they were playing a smaller stage. And because of word and demand, they got bumped up to sort of be an afternoon set on like the other or Pyramid. I might probably the other. Me and my mate were like, oh, let's go see Kings of Leon. That'd be wicked. And then we got there and we got there about 10 minutes before they were due on stage. And you just couldn't see, like it was about 80,000 people had also come out to see them. I, I mean, it must've been overwhelming. Imagine being a band, you just made yeah. a debut album and suddenly you're one of the big names of Glastonbury. I remember work, people were talking about, we've got, you've got to get to Kings of Leon, even though they were a new band. We got to the back and it was the best, my mate um, just pulled the best festival trick I've ever seen. So we wanted to get down the front mm-hmm. and it was just rammed and it was a bit rainy and muddy and we had, um, I had all green waterproof overalls on, mm-hmm. and he had all blue waterproof overalls on. So we looked a bit like we might be workmen. Yeah. <laughs> and he yeah. just he just came up with it. He went, mate, have you got like your um your lanyard thing in your pocket, like with your map? And I had it in my pocket. And he goes, put it around your neck. So we put a lanyards around our neck. But normally you get like a little Glastonbury map inside, and it's waterproof. And he said, have you got any like photo ID in your wallet, like your bus pass? And I did. I had my bus, my travel card, picture card. He said, "Put that in your lanyard." So he yeah. put it in the lanyards, and then he just went, "Right, just follow me. Follow everything I do." And he went, and there's eighty like eighty thousand people, whatever, in front of us, and we're at the very back. It would take you an hour to try and navigate to oh the front. Oh my god! Yeah, and my mate just really loudly went, "Excuse me, ladies and gentlemen, we've got a drainage problem. Can you please move out of the way like that?" And the crowd just started parting, and he's kept shouting, "Guys, we have a drainage problem down the front. Please, can you move? Oh my god! Yeah. And on my life, we were at the front within about, I would say, less than five minutes, and we uh-huh. got to the front, and like we were still shouting, "Drainage!" Yeah. And as we got to the front, uh, people, like we just got a few people looked as we heard us at drainage, and we walked in, and then they saw us just take our lanyards off, put them in our pockets. And they just all just laughed. and were like, okay. Oh my oh, God. Well done. Yeah. And then, uh, and then that was that. The uh, Kings of Leon came on and they came, they came on and they f- killed it. Yeah. Like it was such, you know, they just came out and instantly just ripped into a song. And it was yeah. wicked. It was a really fun mosh pit as well because there was so much mud. Everyone yeah. was just throwing each other around and everyone was sliding around on the floor. It was great. Would have been quite ironic if you've, fell over it's like oh no the drainage issue yeah, yeah. i mean there, i mean don't get me wrong looking back there was a drainage problem yeah <laughs> i don't think we were the people to fix it oh but you know what that, that would require so much confidence i
0: genuinely wouldn't have because i like I, I would feel bad for like uh but but that's also a perfect festival moment though isn't it that's, that's oh, totally. what, yeah that's something to remember by but... it's a
1: great trick as well if you ever basically if you ever want to blag yourself anywhere in a festival just put a lanyard on and just be confident. And people just assume and you know what you're doing. Get a high-vis jacket. You're sorted. You know I mean? Definitely. High-vis That does help as well. Oh, that was it. He had a high-vis. He brought a high-vis in his pocket. That's why, he, that's why I stayed behind him. I remember yeah. it. he put it on. So he put it on and went, right, just put your lanyard on and just follow me. Follow my move. And it was just, it was such an amazing thing to watch him just open the crowd up. Yeah. That's like a, that's even like a like a, a godlike thing, just kind of in yeah. the crowds.
0: That's really cool.
1: But um, but yeah, but I, I mean, Kings of Leon just that that moment in time was one of the best. Art. It was such a amazing afternoon set. It was like, you know, no one cared about the rain and the mud mm-hmm. and that. And they just they just ripped it. And I, I remember just sort of, I've, you know, it's always meant. Even though I have not liked their newer stuff, mm-hmm. and I don't. Really, it's not really my sort of direction. That you know, I expected them to go in. It means I've, I'll always, I'll never ever not think of them positively just because of that that early stuff and that that set essentially.
0: And um, what was one of your
1: favourite songs that Kingsley Leon played as well? Is it something that sticks out in your mind, or was it just the whole? Um, not really. I mean, that whole album was pretty full on. Cause what was the album called now? I've forgotten what it was called. Well, I can um, what was it? Molly's... Um, Molly's Chamber. Or something Molly's like Chamber was like the, the big hit of it. And even yeah. that, I think, if I remember correctly, I, I feel like they might have opened with that. Do you know what I mean? It might have been just that moment of they come on, say hello, and just it ripped into that first riff. And you're like... <laughs> the, I can't remember what the album name was. Yeah. It's weird. I've not gone back and listened to that album in 15 years or something. Like, I've not. It's not something like... I. I go back to that, that period of music for me is very much, it's a, it's a period of time that I'm really, I loved, you know, I loved Mm -hmm. white stripes and the strokes and all that, you know, that sort of, yeah, whole era, bloody electric six and the darkness. And like, there was just like this weird period of quite over the top, quite cheesy rock almost. Yeah. And, um, and but I'd never go back and listen to any of it now, even though I loved it at the time. But I also have a lot of fondness for it. It was just like it really captured my my move into adulthood. Especially when you see these bands, they
0: uh, they kind of whenever you see live music, there's usually that emotional connection to why you like the band as well. And especially if it's of your formative years of that transition as well. I think it sometimes is better to kind of leave. The music where it is because you don't want to revisit it and like like if you watch an old film once you you know like, you used to love the art it's pretty dated now yeah, yeah, yeah you might as well just enjoy the memory a lot more
1: definitely but,
0: so um you have kings leon and basement jacks which is a pretty strong lineup well how about who else have you got in your friday if any if you got any more acts
1: i think that's for, for that will do for friday for the big names that, i think t- we're gonna the rest of the rest of the lineup is going to be more um uh sort of newer bands
0: well if you have any newer bands we're happy to uh if, if you want to add anyone onto the friday you're welcome or to... I'd,
1: or I'd probably go for more like um sort of folky stuff or someone like okay. martin simpson or someone like I'd, I'd go for something yeah something you know that that's too pretty you know basement jacks is quite full on kings of mm. leon if they're just doing their first couple of albums is pretty full on so you need something to relax to so yeah i would probably go for like a yeah but let's go martin simpson who's a lovely folk musician that i've seen live a couple of times
0: that's um i think that's a really nice line because you got martin simpson kings of leon and basement jacks that's
1: a solid that, is a, I mean? yeah, that is a nice little uh, lineup isn't it
0: after you've gone to bed after your basement jacks fill uh, you wake up on saturday morning you are a little bit rough but you're ready to start your day who's the band you see on saturday morning
1: um, I would go for a big sort of Saturday afternoon jazz fest. I'd go Here for go. Fela, Fela Kuti, um, sort of the the legend of African jazz. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's proper, you know, big, low, so many musicians on stage at once. It mm. would be, this would be the sun's out, you know, you're just going to kick back and listen to amazing musicians and just for a few hours, just, just really going at it
0: so uh, how long are they playing for do you reckon because is it a couple of hours oh, it's
1: nice, it? i mean they're doing a long set i reckon yeah. i reckon i'm going to give them a six hour slot <laughs> 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 that's really take, take a chunk out of the day you can do yeah. it as much as you want
0: yeah uh, what, what i like about that is like uh, as an event manager is like, right we need to fill this spot right here
1: <laughs> six hours do you want to do something just, just go to african jazz that's yeah. what you want world it,
0: music that's about two jazz songs so
1: yeah that, yeah. <laughs> that fell out quite nicely all of, yeah i mean if you listen i'd recommend listening to some fellow some of his songs are so long yeah um, but yes i uh, i would say that would be a that'd be a really good background noise for saturday as well you know that's what i like about festivals you just just hear it all everywhere everywhere you go sometimes you get in food and you just catch that and mm-hmm. uh, you catch this sound i remember one I re- I can't remember what year it was. I remember being at Glastonbury one year and I woke up absolutely hanging in my tent <laughs> and it was boiling. And I was just, you know, when you're in a tent and it's, it's probably yeah. only like 8.30 a.m. but you've gone to bed at six or something and you yeah. just wake up because you can just hear noise and you're in like a sweat box of a sauna. Yeah. And I remember that moment and I remember just opening the front of the tent and I sat, I just sat out in the sun. It was really nice. I was getting a bit of sunshine. I was drinking a big bottle of water and i just heard a band sound checking in the distance and i did i'd never heard the song and it was just this was their first year as well at Glastonbury. and i didn't, I didn't I hadn't really listened to much of their stuff but it was um it was mr brightside by the killers they were sounding oh my god i could just hear it on the wind in the distance and like i sat there and just listened to it and thought this is this song sounds good and uh while i was just hung over listening to them fiddle around working out their levels and then flash forward you know Probably even by the end of that day, when they'd performed it, it was like a real Glastonbury moment. It was their debut, and you know they blew up off the back of that as well, or partly.
0: That's that's a very mesmerising moment, and uh, I think sound checks are really endearing as well. Because like uh, I know like Bruce Springsteen, for example, like he even though he's like a like a seventy-five year old man or whatever, he uh, every show like he like does a sound check. He just like does like an acoustic set beforehand. Just he doesn't have to. He's going to do a three-hour set, but just because he loves doing it, he just. I mean, that's such a Like, and to hear just, like, just um, them working through the sounds and stuff like that, it's really just, uh, as a kid, it was annoying because,
1: oh, just play your
0: music. But I'm just like, now I'm fascinated by it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, uh, so after Fella Cutie, uh, after his six-hour session, I like guess fingers <laughs> bleeding at the end, uh, yeah. uh, uh, wh- who we got uh, out on that Saturday?
1: Well, then we're going to be going over, I reckon, to the comedy and cabaret area. Lovely stuff, yeah. Um, for my favourite comedian I've ever watched at festivals, and it's Phil K. Oh, brilliant, Scottish yeah. Scottish legend of comedy, Phil K. Phil, like, is, you know, there's some... I've seen a lot of, you know, I've, I've worked a lot of festivals with comedians, like Glastonbury and Latitude, and, you know, I've seen some incredible festival sets, but my favourite to watch at any festival is always Phil Kay. His Glastonbury sets are it's almost notorious. Like, he's obviously... He makes most of it up on the spot, and he's messing oh, around. wow. I've seen him do sets that have been so brilliant, but I've also seen him do sets that have just not worked. And, like... <laughs> you know he's, he's lovely and he's mad and he's got a lovely family his kids his kids are always really funny little feral things running around him and they're great fun and he's just such a fun person to be backstage at a festival with he's just got this amazing he feels like a sort of him and his family feel like a sort of yeah he just he, he lets his kids just run free and they're totally comfortable and cool being in that setting mm-hmm. and it's just lovely it's just really nice to watch but yeah and he goes on stage and just is this mad, free-flowing sort of comedy madman? I love it when that you can
0: either see it storm it or like not do so well, and it's that like kind of that. that... That, that that thin line between excellence and blunder as well which I kind of like because like sometimes it just depends on the audience and depends like just that small little x factor as well and uh, yeah the acts you kind of like make a comedian go oh my god what's going to happen here I think that's really special
1: yeah and it's also that's the magic bit isn't it that's that that's what most comedians exist in a very in a very relatively comfortable place you know even like you know very good comedians or very successful comedians tend to play it relatively safe you know Mm -hmm. and that's not a criticism that is that you work out sort of what you want to say and what you do and you find that people laugh and they're on board with you and you're like all right this is my sort of groove and this is my voice and whatever there's very 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 few comedians and obviously there's people that don't ever get to that point they're not very good whatever and you know it's just not for them and it happens it's natural but there's also there's a small very small number of people that never ever fall into that groove of trying to be oh this is my voice let's just play you know let's i know how to get a laugh now you know they always just want to see what they can get away with or try and do and you know Mm -hmm. they can mess with the form and they can totally like not let let, you never know what's going to come next Like not in terms of what they're going to say but even what they're going to do on stage i think that phil definitely falls into that category it's a bit like
0: comedy jazz where it's just kind of like, you're not quite sure what's going to happen next. It's kind of off. Like the time is slightly like a usual yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah, I think uh, that's a really a uh, beautiful thing to, to watch as well. Um, it looks like
1: Ian Cognito had that obviously. Yes. Yeah. yeah and uh, like, you know, he um, basically, you know, actually he was a very traditional joke writer. A lot of his stuff was almost dad jokes, you know? I mean, yeah. <laughs> he yeah. Sort of, you know, and very, like, very good, but also, but what he added to it, which elevated it above what it sounds like, is the mm-hmm. fact that he also had this constant threat that he might do something mad. Yeah. And that's, that's it. what yeah was the excitement. Is that question mark? It's like, oh, what's going to happen next? Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm not sure if you
0: had any other uh, comedians you want to put on there, but Phil Kate is a, a brilliant, uh, brilliant act
1: for that situation as well. Yeah. Who else would I put on? I mean, There'd be com- comedians who I've I've just watched ha- have amazing festival gigs. I would probably, out of pure gratitude, I mm-hmm. would say I'd, I'd say an act who I'd put on um, is somebody who saved me essentially once at Latitude. I was hosting the Latitude comedy tent, mm-hmm. uh, which is quite a big sound. It's quite a big deal in the sense of like. You know, it's this the latitude is now almost more a comedy festival than it is a music festival. Yeah. You know, and it gets comedic. That's one of the best festival tent lineups um, of any comedy in the world. So I
0: haven't actually been to Latitude, but it does have that renowned comedy um booking as well. So is it is it like a tent which is purposely built for comedy? Is that it, because it's, it's,
1: it's No, I see. Yeah, it is, and it isn't. Like it's still a big marquee tent, but yeah. You know, it can hold about three thousand people, two two and a half, three thousand people. I think I can't remember the exact number, but then you can also get an extra thousand or two outside watching on a big screen. So mm-hmm. you know, you can you can be performing to a ridiculous size audience. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've hosted it on a Saturday um, a few times, which is like you know, it was it's like you know, probably one of my highlights of things I've got to do in my career. Um but one year in particular, I think I've yeah, I think I've hosted it three times and um one year the night before I went absolutely bananas. Oh Me my and some God. mates just got so drunk and like um I remember we got really drunk and watched the Pet Shop Boys and they were brilliant. <laughs> they were really they were a really good festival band and uh but yeah we and i remember just waking up so hungover like it, it was a proper one of them end of the world hangovers oh
0: my god and yeah. i'm lying
1: in my tent and i had to go and sound check at like 11 a.m and it was like ten thirty, <laughs> and i was just like oh my god and i think i was i was on from midday until 7 oh, p.m man. like on and off yeah. so i was just in that headspace of like i've ruined everything and i managed to get myself up you know down a diet coke vomited it up <laughs> <laughs> when and sound checked you yeah know? yeah and then i just got my head in the game enough that the moment the cop was like well, it was time to go on i had to go on and do like 15 minutes just to get the first like group waves of people that were coming into the tent settled explain how it's going to run over the day then start getting the acts on and each act is doing like 30 minutes some of the big names are doing 45 and I'm just back on in between for 10 minutes or so just to basically settle the movement because obviously you get mm-hmm. a lot of changeover of audiences.
0: It's a big and admin to deal with at the festival because
1: it is people are going of, and you have to kind of bring people in. Definitely. A lot of it is almost quite thankless. There's sometimes when, you know, somebody like Simon Amstel will finish and the next act uh, is somebody very different but also very well known. Yeah. But such a different, like, you know, uh, following. And what you find is Amp Simon will finish, and 1,500 people will get up and sort of move out of the tent because they've, like, right, right, we've seen our favorite comedian. And then you'll have 1,500 people who want to come in and watch Sarah Pascoe or whatever, or, you know, so, so mm-hmm. it's this massive change. You've, as a comp you've got to just essentially just hold your nerve and just talk. You almost be background noise and mm-hmm. just get everyone just settled. And you you can't bring an act on until they're settled, okay. essentially. So that's your job. It's quite a, it's quite a hard day, but mm-hmm. it's also very uh, rewarding. It feels very, but at the end of it, you feel like you've really worked for, you know, you've, you've sort of like extreme comedy. Yeah. And I basically was that hungover. And Janine Garofalo, the famous American comedian and actor, who's in, you know, she's in Larry Sanders and so she's actually in one, some of the most seminal comedy things I've mm-hmm. ever seen. And, you know, I was, a, I'm a fan um but basically she'd never performed at a uk festival before so she was one of the big names of the day like this is janine groffler we've flown her in from america she was i think she was going on to do an edinburgh run mm-hmm. and she just didn't know what to expect at a festival she didn't realize it was going to be a big tent with quite a bit of background noise outside you know you can hear music in the distance and festival crowds aren't your theater crowds sitting there. yeah a yeah. lot of people were young they probably wouldn't know who she was you know so it's just it was almost like the perfect storm. I brought her on stage and then went to the toilets and started vomiting violently. <laughs> and I was in the toilet for maybe five minutes. And when the the stage managers was banging on the toilets, i going, Carl, where are you? Get out. And I was like, Ugh. and I ran out and she was getting booed off. Oh, shit. And, uh, not booed, but basically she'd sort yeah. of turned on the crowd because she wasn't, she didn't get off to a great start and she wasn't enjoying it. So she sort of, sort of started digging out the crowd and they started reacting. Oh uh, Yeah. So, yeah. I came running back to the side of the stage and as she was basically just in a little head-to-head with the crowd and, then I, and as I was coming to the side of the stage I heard her say, I'm not leaving until the compere's back and I was like, oh God, and I got there and then she saw me and she sort of walked off and I went back on and I was literally vomiting a minute earlier. Oh my God. <laughs> and I said to the crowd, I was like, what what happened? And then everyone just started going, she was fucking, and just started shouting at her own. I basically had to just, spend five or so minutes really resetting the room yeah And bear in mind she was meant to be doing half an hour and she'd only done five minutes so we're now 25 minutes ahead of schedule and in my head i'm like have i got to fill 25 minutes to an angry bunch of people while i've just been vomiting oh my god <laughs> and i just i basically did about five or ten minutes just to settle them down and say look you know that happens sometimes you know she's probably not used to a, a british festival crowd and i did a few bits bit of fun here and there and then Ed Byrne was on next. Yeah. And I just, I was, I was fine. I looked at the side of the stage and Ed was ready to go. He was side of stage. And I just thought, I'm just going to get Ed on. You know, it's 15 minutes early, but I'll make up the time after him because, you know, I'll just, I'll, I'll be a bit more with it then. Uh-huh. I brought Ed on and he was meant to do half an hour. He did 45 minutes. And he, so he made up the time for me. Um, and he absolutely smashed it. Yeah. Like it was one of the most impressive like bits of like just being able to reset a room you know it's it was proper as i, I was you know this was seven or eight years ago so i was still relatively fresh-faced i mm. remember just sitting there watching from the side of the stage going oh this is what you get after 20 years of experience like yeah he went on just did not you know he knew what had just happened he just he almost did that thing that you learn when you've been doing stand-up for a long time where you see an open goal you know you've just seen a comedian have a bad gig yeah you know you can do it and he walked on and it was just I was just so impressed he, he totally saved the day saved me just like you know really knocked it out apart for 45 minutes and when I went on that it was it was easy it was just like right the gig's back on track because of a very good experienced good stand-up
0: yeah so Ed, I'm gonna put
1: Ed on as the, yeah. he's the he's the stand-up after you know to to steady the ship Um, But that
0: that is such an amazing story that like that's um yeah like uh, because like again as you said it's a perfect storm where like you're like wildly sick and like 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 like, as you must have got a lot of like training that day that that's that's you got a lot of veterancy that day you
1: know what I mean hundred it was it was a day of it taught really taught me about the the, uh, lack of professionalism that I think I always had uh up until that point I think I yeah. used to be red, I used to be very unprofessional in you know I didn't really care much about what state I would show up to a gig in I was young and immature and I was like I'm funny man I can just roll up in any old state and I'll get away with it and then I suddenly found myself you know I could get away with that if I'm doing a club or a little gig here and there but suddenly to find yourself with three thousand baying people who've just booed off a comedian and you're just yeah there, and you're suddenly you're like my head is not ripe for this that yeah. taught me to wind my neck in a lot well um
0: that so that is uh, a very eventful uh, comedy tent and yeah. you know what, uh <laughs> and too you know i've been in the audience because uh, i fell in love with comedy at leeds festival because uh, i grew uh, i went to see a lot of like a lot of club acts there and that's where my my deep love of stand-up came from and um, but i've i've seen acts really that 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 room can be really
1: brutal oh that Leeds that, it. that Leeds comedy tent is one of the hardest yeah yeah comedy tents just like you know it depends what time of day you get it if there's a lot of people in it it can be really fun you'll always have a lot of background noise from bands obviously yeah yeah but i've i've done it oh i did it once after lee nelson cy brodkin uh just come off stage and he'd come off stage having had a fucking crowd surfing competition or something with the audience and it was like probably about a thousand people in the tent and, and they were all there to see him. So the yeah. moment he finished and everyone left, uh, literally the whole tent emptied and there was maybe 60 people in the tent. Yeah. And Dan Nightingale, to his credit, went back out and compared the shit out of it. Like managed to build it up to a couple of hundred and settle it down. And then I went on. But it was one of their moments of, when you're the comic on Next and you watch an act before you do a oh, crowds- yeah, perfect yeah. competition and smash it with a thousand people, you know I'm in trouble here. Well, not not the same thing but i
0: i remember doing a festival in the northeast and uh and uh, i it, it, i think Jared Christmas was uh, comparing it and uh and, and then I had to, before he got famous. About um, I, I was on after Lost Voice Guy, and yeah. loads of people. Like the whole room was crammed for him as well, and uh, and he like got a standing ovation. Uh, <laughs> and then it was like, all right, Matt, you have to go on stage. Oh. And I did. About everyone literally left to go and see the band. I think a band went on stage that time, and there was just like five people sat on like deck chairs with their arms crossed. You know <laughs> if mean? like, you know what I mean. I was like, what am I meant to do? You know what I mean.
1: I remember I was hosting the Cabaret tent at Glastonbury, uh the year. That Rolling Stones were headlining the main stage, mm-hmm. and I was I was comparing the cabaret tent at the time. So like, we watched. I can't remember who was on. It was like Robin Ince was on, on stage, and you know, just towards the end of his set, people had to start leaving to go and see the Rolling Stones. So what started as a big, like, you know, probably I don't know, it was probably about six or seven hundred people in the tent started just filtering out towards the end of like robin's set yeah and then i brought arthur smith on to uh genuinely maybe 25 people in a cabaret yeah. tent and he got them up on stage and just sat them around him oh my god yeah. and then and then uh and then mitch ben came on next and i introduced mitch and that was when my shift of comparing was over so i let i introduced mitch and then just left to go and see the end of the rolling stones but it was really funny like us just being in this like, I couldn't believe there was anyone in the tent with us. Yeah. Even twenty five people like the Rolling Stones are on mate. Yeah, yeah. What are you lot doing here?
0: Yeah, imagine like uh, any other band playing at the same time as well. It must be like a uh, like it's like it's great to play at Glastonbury, but you know, after after the Phil K in the comedy tent in Ed Byrne, um so have you got any more music for Saturday?
1: Um let's go for a Saturday headliner. I'm gonna go, here we for, go. and I've seen I've, I, one of the best live gigs I've ever been to was this band and it was the same album they were touring when they did Glastonbury and I was so excited to see them close Glastonbury's Sunday night uh, but then me and my mate, um, and I'm not endorsing or condoning this but this we were younger, um, we took so much MDMA that um, it basically what happened was we'd been, to a whole weekend this was the weekend I mentioned actually when I'd not seen a single band in any length of time, like, I'd probably heard half a song of a band or something and we, me and my mate kept saying, doesn't matter what happens, we're going to watch Queens of the Stone Age close from yeah. s- Sunday night. And it was there was quite a lot of talk because Beyonce was closing the pyramid stage and Queens of the Stone Age were closing the other stage. And, you know, there was a bit of that grumble of Glastonbury of like, why is Beyonce on, mate? This is a bloody rock festival or whatever. Yeah. And actually, it's not really a rock festival. It's all sorts of music. But yeah, and, But I definitely was not, you know, I would not go and watch Beyonce you know, I'd watch Queens. I'm not a fan of Beyonce's music. You know, it's just not my mm. thing. So, but Queens of the Stone Age, I love. So we were like, this is it. Whatever happens this weekend, we're seeing Queens of the Stone Age. And then we went to see them, and uh, this we just took too much uh, MDMA, and it <laughs> came. It, it came. They literally walked out on stage. And he went, Glastonbury, you look beautiful. And Josh Homie said that. And then it, he hit the guitars for the first time. And just as he did that, just it was overwhelming. And me and my mate had to leave.
0: <laughs>
1: so, but I'd seen them before. I'd seen them, I think I'd either sealed them a couple of months earlier or a couple of months later on mm-hmm. that um, Songs for the Deaf tour. Oh,
0: and, wow. Oh yeah. Gosh, so like they kind was of.
1: Brilliant. The- that, was the, that was when they had the full lineup with Nick Olivieri and that. Oh, and, wow. Um, it was such a brilliant live gig, and yeah. So I would put them. They, I mean, the fact that I missed their headline set means I'm going to get them back into yeah, to do the Yeah, set I missed, and you're going to take a lot of MDMA and
0: recreate that moment as well. no like, that
1: was. I think that might have been the last time I took MDMA. That was. I hate. I hated MDMA yeah. as a drug. I think it's horrible. Like, and not. I'm not judging people that do it. For me, it was always. I always felt really grotty. Like during, even during it, I always found it a bit too. Ugh, like
0: yeah yeah i mean i i've, I've never taken i've never taken any drugs but i just imagine like uh, that plus music like you love must be quite like it's just so overwhelming as well like, yeah
1: some people love it but i always felt it's a very false uh feeling mdma mm-hmm. like you know it was i don't know i always felt like it was a real uh fake everyone's like love each other and they hug each other and it's like I get that, but I think actually with, I always felt it was a very fake feeling of that, and the next mm-hmm. day you'd normally be like, ugh, why was I hugging all those people? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, but I, so, yeah, I'm not in any way glorifying i would say i'm actually actively um trying to tell you to avoid it <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so after
0: queens of the stone age which would be doing a banging set um we will move on to our sunday as well so uh can you take us through our final day we have feeling a little bit groggy we haven't washed in a while
1: let's yeah, yeah. uh
0: let's get let's start our sunday
1: um our sunday i mean i've got two bands that are definitely just i would i would get on there mm-hmm. um and also, weirdly, I, I used to be dead against any... I'll tell you what's fun, when you're a bit hungover and a bit messed up. Yeah. Um, and I've always been against fairground rides at festivals. Yeah. But then me and Eric Lampert, comedian... Yes. We ended yeah. up on fairground rides at Leeds Festival one year, and it was so yeah. much fun that we actually... I've, I've now sort of gone, all right, they're there for a purpose, but, yeah, you know, they shouldn't be um, too much of an attraction. Keep them in a corner far away. So yeah, that, that's you, it. Sunday, you wake up, you're hungover get on some fairground rides, not the waltz or anything that's going to miss it. Get on a nice big wheel. Yeah, See the festival from a high to give you a sense of where you are. Mm-hmm. And then you can come back down and get some nice food and get on with the day.
0: You know what? You're the first person to actually put fairground ride in their <laughs> festival. And you know what? It's, it's such a big part of it though. Like I have never gone on, but they're always there. It's always a beautiful thing to see. And then I always see people on them as well. So yeah, it's, uh, you've faithfully recreated that festival vibe as well.
1: I think yeah, just only for that. I think if anything, I'd say maybe I'd only put them up overnight Saturday, so they're Mm. only there Sunday for everyone that's really hanging. And that's oh, that's uh, loads of music. You've eaten loads of food. You've drunk too much. You've done everything else, and you just need a you need something else, some different feeling. So Mm -hmm. that's what they're there for. So they go up for a few hours on Sunday. You can just do something different, reset, get back in for the final night.
0: This is a really well thought out festival. But what I also like is that uh, not only you at, at the start you mentioned you had a lot of different. Uh, taste in genres and music uh, but uh, which is reflected in the bands but also you have lots of t- different tastes across the board of the festivals well so you both have like fairground rides, comedy tents uh, um, lots of different types of music It's literally like it's a scattergun approach but it's very it's like it's very carl donnelly you know what i mean yeah i
1: mean also yeah. a festival should be that that's what I've, that's yes. why I've always felt i've always loved glastonbury more than any other festival because it is so vast and so you, it caters to everyone, you know. Like, yeah. I've had Glastonbury's where you know, one night you're watching a, yeah, you know, yeah, like a bloody rock band, Kasabian or some sort of quite, you know, quite mainstream, just good old fashioned British rock, and then from there you're rolling around some fields and you roll into like a, a spoken word poetry. Tent. Yes, yeah, you know, I think I just think that is, that is what a festival should be. I think it shouldn't just be here's one type of music for four days. And you should really push the boundaries of what
0: you like as well, especially a, a contemporary arts festival. We had some fairground rides, and uh, <laughs> uh, we're going to have a lot of puking people afterwards as well. Uh, but uh, after, uh, have you got any bands that you want uh, put, to uh, put on your Sunday as well? Like so, anywhere? yeah,
1: I've got two bands. One I'm going to put Just When the Sun's Going Down. Oh, um, perfect moment. And this, again, this is a band that I... Um, before probably uh last year i, I did, i've always liked them don't get me wrong I've, I've always actually i've yeah no i couldn't i couldn't fault them and you know, i just always but they were in the background almost they were like i didn't think they were for me as i've mm-hmm. never really spent much time listening to them or i've definitely never seen them um but uh it's gorillas
0: Oh, okay. And basically,
1: yeah. it's all a bit sort of a roundabout way of going about it. But my wife started doing some work in for a music company, and they were involved uh, with Gorillas and stuff. And basically, we were going to LA on our honeymoon, mm-hmm. and we got um, given tickets to go to Demon Days Festival, which is the Gorillas Festival in LA. Mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, I didn't even know there was such a thing. They, the Gorillas have got their own curated festival um, just on the outskirts of LA. And it was such a brilliant festival, and we went, and it was one of the most blistering hot days I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And it was just, you know, it it was just, it felt like it didn't really feel like any festival I'd ever been to before. I just had, obviously, I've never been to an American festival before, but yeah. like it was so, just, yeah, it was just an amazing mix of bands, like Erica Bardu was on, and things like that. But Gorillaz obviously were the headliners. Yeah and we got to watch from like this little vip bit as well oh wow yeah and but basically the sun was just going down and gorillas mm-hmm. were on and it just got it got dark quite quickly but just that I, I almost had hadn't listened to enough of them i think to realize just how vast and broad their music is mm-hmm. and the amount of guests and you know snoop dogs popping up and Mm-hmm. um dela solar popping out and all these people like just i was just blown away i was just watching it was it was such a brilliant atmosphere to sort of bring you know just for the sun to be going down against
0: yeah and i always love that moment in the festival where like the headline that starts playing as the sun goes down it's just like it's like kind of a it's a very special like a nocturnal moment as well yeah it's a, it's, a, it's really it's like a twilight moment and uh, yeah um so um yeah, to be honest, I've never really been into Gorillas, and they were kind of like as a kid. It's one of those things where um, that there was like that kind of pop music where I just didn't quite get into it. Uh, but I imagine there's a kind of band that if I were to go back and listen to it, like, like I can get a lot from it. But Definitely. it's one, it's one that's, of those uh, childish prejudices that you have against music. That's
1: exactly what happened to me. I think I always had that thing where I lo- you know, I really love Blur, and I really love. Um, the Good, the Bad and the Queen. So I really like Damon Albarn's stuff. I love him and I, I think he's a very um, impressive, creative person. But I just for some reason, Gorillas always just didn't appeal to me, even though most of the people that guest on their songs are people that I really love. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for some reason, I just couldn't compute. I think it was that, you know, and the animation side of things. And mm-hmm. I think I always just saw it and it felt like there's too much going on here. Yeah. I really yeah. appreciate it. But then for some reason... Being at a festival and seeing it, and it, and watching, seeing its appeal as well. Like you know, I've never seen such a vast array of fans of one band. Genuinely, like it was ridiculous. From mm-hmm. I'm talking from f- there was 50 year old people with gorillas tattoos on their arms to 15 year old kids mm-hmm. who had all gorillas gear all over them, like. And I just couldn't I'd just walk around this festival. I was like, oh, this is well impressive that they have this appeal. And, uh, while also being very creative and musically impressive and like, you know, it's not, it's not sort of, it's still very well created. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it, yeah, I think there's a lot of artistic merit to it, but it just never really, I'd never really gone for it or given it a chance. And then, yeah, I think seeing it at a festival made me realize just how good it was. You know what? Like there was, um, you don't really see that much of a
0: one-act festival in terms of like a like a, an act because they, I remember like two thousand two uh, in the interim uh, just before Download Festival started uh, in the eighties, it was called Monsters of Rock. But there was a period just before Download started; it was called Ozfest, and it was from by Ozzy Osborne. Oh, you yeah, like, remember. And Ozfest still exists in the the US, but it's kind of it's a weird thing. Just to have like it's just made by one person and they headline it as well it's like you re- it's quite a niche kind of thing. obviously they get lots of bands there but like it's kind of like a it's quite a weird thing to kind of like have one act do it but i guess if it if it is curated i guess you're going to enjoy if you enjoy that band you're going to really enjoy everything that comes with it i guess
1: yeah but it's quite interesting having people like erica bardo on because like <laughs> she's pretty you know um out there mm-hmm. and you know so it was quite It was. i think it's quite a cool festival they curate it and you get loads of young people that love gorillas and Suddenly, they get to see these people they might not have ever heard of otherwise. Yeah, so Gorillas does a good show. I think
0: that's um, as a penultimate band of Carfest, um, it's pretty pretty good going. Um, but can you tell us who is your headliner, your final act for Carfest? Uh,
1: this, I think, this is a weird choice in the sense of I think they would have already made an appearance during uh, Gorillas' set, and I, I, a lot of people probably wouldn't think of them as a festival headliner. But De La Soul. Oh, wow. Delosol, to to this day, hold the the, my sort of, in my mind, the best festival set I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. Just, it was incredible. It was uh, like, I don't know, they did something on a day that I just have never witnessed. I've never witnessed a a band at a festival manage to work the crowd as well as Delosol. I love Delosol's music, don't get me wrong, Mm -hmm. but like... You know, A festival set, I think, is more than just your music. As I talked earlier on about Oasis and how disappointing I found them at a festival, you know, De La Soul had the exact opposite of that. I went to watch De La Soul because I just liked their music. And what I saw was just Mm -hmm. a band of people having so much fun with themselves, with each other, with the crowd, with the security. They just just had so much going on. it. It It was like watching... It was like watching three of your favorite stand ups who suddenly could just drop into some of the best hip hop you could ever hear. Like they were just, they had everything. And I just, and it, I remember the, the sun came out during their set. It had been really shitty and rainy to the point where like there was things getting cancelled because of the weather. Mm-hmm. And everyone was a bit uncertain if like it was, if they were going to get cancelled. And then they came out and they started and then the sun came out. And it was just like, oh, this is this is magic and it was, yeah. a, it was an hour and a half of just pure brilliance
0: that's great and as i mentioned earlier like you really tick all the boxes of oh well, kind of all the music you really could want <laughs> like uh, you have the uh, kings of leon basement jacks Fella cutie uh you've got comedy from flk and ed burn queens of the stone age gorillas de la sol there's so much going on there as well but also none of it's although it's thematically different genres none of it doesn't seem out of place it's all quality it's all kind of like it's like the best of all genres as well it's like a unity kind of festival if you know
1: what i mean yeah i suppose it's quite sort of there's no real like undergroundy stuff it's quite sort of everyone's quite mainstream and or even even like you know queens of the standards are still a massive band aren't they like you know i've not gone for anything too independent or small (laughs) or you know off the beaten track but then i think a lot of You know, if you go for festivals, you've got to sell tickets. (laughs) So what I've done is think about who am I going to (laughs) ship tickets with? (laughs) You you really thought about the marketing aspect of it as well. You've got to to think about the marketing. Okay, Um,
0: how how much would you sell um, a ticket for this festival for?
1: Oh, I mean, I would want it to be affordable, don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, that's one thing I do think is sort of to the detriment of things like Glastonbury and where I think they can draw criticism. You know, when like Jeremy, everyone was singing, Oh, Jeremy Corbyn at Glastonbury. And everyone was like, mm. what an amazing moment. And all they did it's cause it's a very expensive festival. It's like 200 quid for the weekend, whatever mm-hmm. that gave ammo to the people that go, well, it's just a bunch of middle-class white people singing, you know, you know, I'd try and make it more affordable. So, you know, more people could afford it. So, but at the same time, you know, how are then you going to afford yeah. the bands? If I could convince the bands to do it for... If it was a charity, I'd do it for charity. I'd do it as a charity mm-hmm. event. All ticket money goes to, after obviously cost of setting it up. Um, but if the bands were doing it gratis for their favourite charities, mm-hmm. um, I would charge tickets of £50 for the weekend and all that's, that money that would so go good. to charity. Yeah. Well,
0: That's... um. Not only uh, you put a lovely twist at the end where it's like, it's actually all quite, you know, it's all good for the soul and for the ears (laughs) as well. So um, it's time to deal with some problems in floor fillers. With event management things are bound to go wrong with festivals our guest has to kind of deal with them in a manner they see fit question number one is your festival is so incredibly popular that you can't allow any more people in you catch people trying to break into your festival how do you deal with the people breaking in
1: um i suppose it's a numbers game isn't it i'm i'm a firm believer in uh you know if you can get in illegally and you get what mm. like, you can't like, then once you're in I think you're in I, 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 I'm, I think but obviously that's within reason if it's a if it's got a capacity of 50,000 people mm-hmm. and another 50,000 are trying to sneak in that's when it gets a health and safety uh, <laughs> like hazard but if yeah. it, you know if it's got a capacity of 50,000 and I suspect a thousand are trying to sneak in I would probably turn a blind eye and be like right fill your boots lads that's nice that's really nice i like that <laughs> i just think you know something to be said for effort
0: yeah
1: you know i always find that you know i'm a, yeah i'm a big believer in uh, letting people who've worked there you know is that people often have that sort of weird response to uh, migrants or people that try and sneak mm-hmm. into countries and i you know i don't have that because i'm very much yeah, you know it's a bit of an old hippie who thinks everyone should be able to move around and hey, man, just welcome everybody. But even on a sort of logical level, you know, if I see some people roll up on a beach and on Lilo from France, I'm mm-hmm. like, but, man, let them people live here. You know what I mean? That is, once you've gone to that effort, I think yeah. <laughs> I think Fair you blame, rise man, yeah. above the law. I think you sort yeah. of almost get to a point of, you know, you've shown such endeavour, you should be welcomed in. And if anything, we should probably chuck some lazy fucker from here on the Lilo and go, you can piss off me, <laughs> see where you can find.
0: <laughs> that's a really, that's a lovely answer, I think. Oh, no. Queens of the Stone Age absolutely has massive beef with fella cutie. They're they're just like, you know, the the famous beef. Uh, They say they won't perform if the other band is performing. How would you negotiate? Or if you had to, which band would you pick between the two?
1: Um, I mean, I obviously would go for negotiations first. I'd make sure to point out that uh, what we could do is split days. You know, I I would say, look, all right, we can move some stuff around fellas open in the Friday you're closing the Saturday you won't even you won't even be in the same backstage area at any point um I suppose that would be first rounds of negotiations if I suppose I my theory would be if um that didn't work I would work I would go get to the point of whichever ones aren't budging if they're neither of them are budging then Mm -hmm. you know I don't know what we do but if one of them seems much more dead against it and I don't think the reasons for disliking a valid i'd have to probably cut the band that are being more stubborn just for general principle
0: you know what? These questions are like kind of um, they're kind of like goofy stuff, but you're dealing with so, diff- <laughs> so diplomatically. It's so re- it's really good. But it's really <laughs> it's like the, my favorite thing is that, well, we have to address health and safety first. <laughs> <laughs> that's my
1: favorite thing. to say I forgot. Yeah, I suppose um, my problem is now I've got my festival management head on. Yeah. I? I, I forgot we're doing a, a mildly amusing podcast. No,
0: no, no, no. That, that's you know that's what makes this podcast tick. I like when people kind of really get into
1: it. As well, I do that sometimes. So, yeah, sometimes. I just get, I hear a question that I think somebody wants a funny answer, and I just get so <laughs> earnest. I'm like, What, why don't they like each other?
0: Uh, yeah, we'll move on to uh, one of the last questions. Oh, no, one of the acts has forgotten their equipment entirely, but good news, um, they can do their set acoustic. But if you had to choose which artists out of all of the ones you picked, well, would you make do an acoustic set?
1: Oh, that's hard actually, because basically, gorillas can't do an acoustic yeah. set, basement <laughs> yeah. jacks can't, dead of the soul can't. Um, Queens of the Stanage or Kings of Leon. Oh, and I've only picked Kings of Leon's early stuff, which would sound, you know, that, I mean, it's manageable, you know. Mm-hmm. I would say it's got to be. Although I saw, Queens of the Stanage have some amazing acoustic numbers. Do you know what I mean? They've got that, yeah. that mosquito song and stuff like that. So, but at the same they're, they're going to miss out on their hits. No, I think Kings of Leon, because they're on earlier in the day, you know, yeah. we're just going to say, look, guys, you can still thrash about on your acoustics but it's gonna be you i'm afraid
0: yeah final question well it seems that carl fest publicity isn't going well you need a celebrity endorsement to make you look good if you had to pick one reality star or a
1: celebrity to plug your festival who would you pick um reality star what in what capacity what does well, what does it that can, mean well just kind of any celebrity
0: that you think uh, would fill the ethos of carl fest as well
1: uh, oh ethos that's a hard one, isn't it? Because you know, who which celebrity truly can you say has a a sort of good moral compass? <laughs> it's a very I good think question. Many of them do. Um Jim Carrey. Yeah, there we <laughs> go. <laughs> that's Jim Carrey. He's a nice nutter, isn't he? He's got yeah. a good vibe to him. He's sort of <laughs> thinking him are on a similar spiritual yeah. wavelength. And he's that's also massive. <laughs> famous so i'd hope just the sheer numbers of his fans some would go all right that sounds right on my street
0: well oh, uh, that's a that's a good answer um I, we'll do one final question
1: um people start setting their tents on fire how do you put the fires i mean do we know why they've started setting their tents on fire is there it's a, is, just, it, is it a mutiny is it a is it just end a of festival a, madness really you know at you know, the end of the festival i'd probably go just go look you know it's absolutely fine. This is. It's <laughs> an end, fest- end of festival, you know, celebration, yeah. as long as, you know, within reason, as long as it's not going to sp- sort of spread wildfire through the-, the whole festival. If they've burnt them in a-, in a standalone area, I'm absolutely fine with them doing that.
0: <laughs> yeah, as long as it's uh, far enough away from other tents, it's <laughs> yeah. absolutely fine.
1: Um, oh, yeah. Or well, what I would do is rather than try and put the fires out, I would try and do the sort of bushfire thing where you almost burn a, a ring around it so it <laughs> can only go so far. Firebreak, yeah, yeah, and just allow them to have their their fire ceremony. It could be like even a part of the festivals. Like now, you set your tents on fire. I mean, I've the amount of tents I've left at festivals in my over my time, I'm, I'm not proud of. But <laughs> a number of times, I've woken up on a Monday morning at a festival and just gone, I'm not taking that fucking thing down. I'm hanging, and I've just left. Yeah, that's so, just, you know, uh, maybe if there was some sort of mass bonfire, it could be quite a a nice thing to go and throw your tent in it
0: yeah it can be like a like a, a metaphor for something as well like a but yeah uh, well uh thank you so much for doing castable and um I'm, I'm pretty sure people will be going to see carl fest sometime soon as well uh, <laughs> i hope so yeah
1: uh,
0: well uh, yeah thank you for joining us especially in lockdown it's a massively uh it's really really fun to have you carl but where can people find you online and what
1: they can find me on twitter and instagram at carl donnelly uh i do a few podcasts i do, i've got um sort of babysitting trevors on sort of a hiatus sweet that we just come back to that every now and again when we're in the same mm-hmm. country but two vegan idiots is my long-running one with julian dean which is and, really brilliant by the way and it's what I'm doing. A sort of a, I'm sort of co-hosting a separate one with my my wife is doing one about she's charted her pregnancy from week six every mm. week. Oh learning yes. yeah, learning about pregnancy. Yeah, as she's gone on experiencing it and talking to other people, and I'm just there as the co-host. And that's called the Keith Cheggers podcast. Yes, uh, because she's heard me say that about her being pregnant at early doors as <laughs> a bit yeah. of rhyming slang, and she found it hilarious. So, yeah, she's if anyone's interested in pregnancy, have a go on that. We've learned a lot during the pregnancy
0: thank you so much and uh, thank you for listening to Castable. and uh, it's been an absolute pleasure and hopefully we'll uh, all go to Carl Fest soon and puke on the fairground rides (laughs) thank you very much
1: (laughs) yeah yeah,
0: it's gonna be a hell of a time thank you very much Carl Donnelly cheers Thank you so much for listening to Castle. If you enjoyed it, please follow us on Twitter at Castle Podcast. And if you wanted to get in touch, why don't you email us at CastlevillePodcast at gmail.com. Send in your festivals to us. On top of that, why don't you follow me, Matt House Comedy, doing weekly video game streams on Twitch. Why don't you follow me at, at Matt House Comedy and Matt House Comedy on Twitter. Beyond that, please check out all the other episodes and give us a five-star rating. Thank you very much. Bye.